This might sound like a weird comparison, but there's a big similarity between how and why people use Twitter and how and why uh, people find their way to support Donald Trump. And consequently, there's a lot of the same enemies now aiming at Twitter who were also aiming at Trump, and they're really aiming at Elon in the case of Twitter. And Elon's already proving himself to be basically the same as Jack Dorsey. No, truly. Elon has said that the rules at Twitter are he's going to take stuff down that he doesn't like. Now, he explained that he'll take it down if it's hate speech, meaning, well, he doesn't like it, or if it's negative, which, of course, would mean that he doesn't like it. Because many of the things Elon Musk says on his platform are construed by many to be hateful and negative. So meet the new boss, same as the old boss. But now the enemies going after Elon are the same enemies going after Trump. So how is there this comparison? What is the similarity? Because Elon calls himself a free speech absolutist. There's a lot of people who think they're the same thing, except... This thing with free speech has really gotten out of hand, Don. I mean, you just can't go around insulting people and think it's okay just because it's freedom of speech. Yeah, except you can. You can't go around threatening people. But but you can go around and insult people. And it's not okay to go around with the goal of insulting people. Sometimes people get insulted. But what's this connection? Maybe I'm the only one who sees it. Well, there's this. Twitter allows us to get news like this from Dearborn, Michigan, that the local media will ignore or twist. We can stop the discussion about what is and what isn't. I mean, this is the law. I don't care what ACLU says. I don't know if they've read these books. We know our rights as parents, and we know that right now our rights are being infringed upon. So I'm going to read from from this book. I didn't want to. I have not had to do that. God help me. I'm going to play that clip, and I'll warn you. So there's this similarity. Trump speaks in an unfiltered way a lot of the time, and he says things that are not to be said. Our intelligence services are corrupt. They are. On Twitter, we can watch proof that there's groomers working in the government schools, because guess what? There are. And we can learn things of importance, like the dictator of Canada says what about AI and free speech? Well, always ensuring and defending free speech, we must make it clear that it cannot be okay to bully and attack people online. No. But again, define bullying. Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. And you know that word consequential? These are consequential times. 
I think all times are consequential to the people living in them, but we're about to see the most consequential attack on a politician uh, in the history of this country in terms of governments doing the attack. I don't, nothing like this has ever happened. And the same people who used to like to talk about unprecedented somehow can't make their way to talking about this unprecedented event in exactly that same way. Now, I wonder why that is. And that's where I begin to see this similarity. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I guess they have the same enemies, but there's something much, much more. And it goes to, as well, journalists attacking Twitter and leaving Twitter in a very similar way that they attacked Donald Trump. Now, they're not, they're, they're not the same thing, Twitter and Trump, we know that. But watching the attacks... It boils down to this, that mechanisms and bureaucracies uh, exist to protect themselves. And journalism has become a bureaucracy. Big journalism is a bureaucracy. It's tied into the, well, obviously it's part of the party, but it's tied straight into the power base of D.C. There has never been a bigger threat to the party. The, some people call it the uniparty. I call it the party than Trump and Twitter in the hands of a guy who is not predictable. Elon Musk is not predictable. But it's fascinating to watch the way this stuff is so very much like Twitter is becoming Trump and Trump is becoming Twitter at the same time as both are under attack by the same people with the same sorts of threats. We'll talk about that. And hey, Chris Christie's back. Is everybody excited? I couldn't be uh, more excited to see Chris Christie returning to the public stage. Public service. You know, I get a uh, lot of compliments when we do our shows with Zach Abraham of Boer Capital Management. A lot. Of, in fact, some of my friends tell me, hey, no offense, but that's not... That's not our favorite show when it's not just you. It's you and Zach. And I do like, I enjoy chatting with my brother. He and I have something in common. We have a lot of things in common. Uh, but since he tried Bone Frog Coffee, his world flipped in terms of coffee. So much so that Bone Frog Coffee from bonefrog.us is now the only coffee that they supply at Bulwark Capital Management in Zach's offices. And I had a very similar thing happen when I talked to one of my favorite authors, Jeff Wilson, of the Anderson Wilson writing team and the Shepherd series and many, many others. They write, uh, they, they write about elite warfare units and they're in a position to know about that. And when I talked to Jeff Wilson and brought up Bonefrog Coffee, same thing, his life flipped. He didn't expect, see, he's buddies with Tim Cruikshank, like I am, the founder uh, of, uh, of Bonefrog Coffee. Tim is a 25-year Navy veteran and a Navy SEAL. And, of course, Jeff served with a Navy SEAL unit from the East Coast as a a trauma surgeon. So they've got a brotherhood I can never match because I didn't serve. But his world flipped when he tried Bone Frog Coffee. So I've been chatting with people who've been taking this and are not yet on subscription. Here's what I want to offer for you guys is as a Christmas gift to yourself, give yourself an opportunity to try a coffee brand, God Country team that's never going to change. That's never coming off the packages. Try a coffee brand created in conjunction with and in concert with a 50-year veteran of coffees, Dave Stewart. And know this, when you purchase this this, this Christmas, Tim is committed to giving 10% of proceeds 
to Navy SEAL charities like the Navy SEAL Foundation, which helps the families of fallen Navy SEALs, Tim's brothers in arms. Tim was a combat veteran. Oh, you'd guess as a SEAL, what else would he be? It's bonefrog.us. Please make sure you use the .us. It's a website Tim and I built together so that he and I can make sure we're keeping each other square. (laughs) Not that I don't trust him. Of course I do. It's bonefrog.us. Bonefrog.us. Let's compare and contrast. This is the paper bully, uh, Merrick Garland, both impotent and dangerous. And by the way, um, impotence, given power, is particularly dangerous because impotence has waited its whole life to have power. And in many, many cases, that's clearly the case with Merrick Garland. Here he is saying why he intends to go after President Trump. I've told you that they intend to indict him. I'm not the only one who said that, of course. It's been very clear. Based on recent developments, including the former president's announcement that he is a candidate for president in the next election and the sitting president's stated intention to be a candidate as well, I have concluded that it is in the public interest to appoint a special counsel. Such an an appointment underscores the department's commitment to both independence and accountability in particularly sensitive matters. It also allows prosecutors and agents to continue their work expeditiously and to make decisions indisputably guided only by the facts and the law. So, and when he does this, he stands with a woman to his right to our, it's called stage left or stage right and a black man. There you go. There's the balance. There's the image. And this is supposed to engender in us. Wow. There's the Department of Justice uh, placard behind him. I see American flags and I see a, a, a blue background and it's supposed to inspire us in confidence. And any longer, it doesn't. And their system of the illusion of authority, the illusion of respectability, they're destroying that illusion for themselves. So that's Garland, the paper bully, talking about President Trump. Then we have this. Another paper bully talking about Elon Musk and what Elon Musk must and must not do. And the comparison to me is pretty spot on. This is Senator Markey talking about Elon Musk, a private citizen. And again, as the owner of these companies, he can fire anyone he wants. Uh, he can do whatever he wants inside of those companies. But when he's dealing with the federal government in terms of federal laws, he's not free to do that. You cannot ignore what the federal government is requiring of your company. And that goes for safety rules in your vehicles, and it also goes for guardrails uh, that have to be built around social media. Guardrails that have to be built around social media. Guardrails. Guardrails that have to be built around who is allowed to run for president. Guardrails that have to be built around social media. He's upset. Well, he pretends to be upset because he worked on a hoax with a Washington Post so-called reporter. They teamed up to create a fake Ed Markey account. And Elon interacted with it. And oh, it got verified because they paid the eight bucks and Elon interacted with the account. And Markey then jumped into action and the Washington Post jumped into action. They hoaxed Elon to hoax consumers 
and observers of social media to think that in that now Twitter has inexorably changed. It's violently changed. He and his party hoaxed this entire country to pretend that Donald Trump was a Russian asset. They're even using the same techniques. But why? What's the crossover? The crossover is much with Trump and with Elon and with Twitter, and it goes down to who is in control. Now, that's a banal statement, but it goes all the way to the level of journalism. Alex Berenson points this out, that that citizen journalism beats the legacy media, as Alex puts this. The New York Times offered puffery on Sam Bankman-Fried and the FTX collapse. Experts outside shift through the wreckage and get to the truth. This is Twitter and Substack at their best. He's exactly right. 14 years ago, when Bernie Madoff's massive hedge fund collapsed, the New York Times and other elite media aggressively dug into what happened and why and how regulators failed to stop it. I know I was part of the team, and Alex loves to do this, point back to when he was a reporter at the New York Times, 17th floor, where wealth went to vanish, Diana B. Henriquez and Alex Berenson. But at this point, business reporters were experienced covering financial collapse, along with Al-Qaeda in Iraq. Wall Street's various meltdowns were the story, the story of the 2000s, starting with the technology crash. But now, but now, financial companies depend on leverage, borrowing from other institutions against their customer deposits. And fraud depends on opaque accounting, accounting that no one from the outside can challenge, or in some cases even understand, and... His point about all this is financial reporting and investigating 101 starts with understanding the signs of fraud. They skipped all that with FTX. Why? I would opine because FTX was doing the bidding of the times. And Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy is another one of the Republicans who took monies from FTX. FTX also paid for one of the fraudulent studies that pretended ivermectin was unsafe. They also invested in new COVID cures, such as vaccines, which aren't vaccines. They were and are an evil company that's now melting down. There's a very, very obvious connection. Twitter allows independent analysts to come in and talk about what Sam Bankman-Fried really did. Even Gizmodo, which is far to the left, can point out what these guys were doing that the Washington Post embarrassed itself even more thoroughly, running an article Wednesday in which it suggested the main reason to worry about FTX bankruptcy was that it might hurt pandemic preparedness. That's, that's, the, that's the Washington Post, the same one who hoaxed Elon Musk. The connection between citizen journalists doing the job that regular journalists used to do and... President Trump doing the job that Republicans should have been doing. It should have been Republicans saying, we will build a wall. We will secure our national border. In fact, it shouldn't have been just Republicans. It should have been any real public servant. We can't exist as a nation without a border. But they couldn't get there. No, let me rephrase. They wouldn't get there. People should have been investigating the COVID response from day one. Many of us were, myself included, but not the major media. Republicans shouldn't be backing the lockdowns in any way, shape, matter, idea, faction, or form. And there are people now, and amongst them, dear friends of mine, 
who say that President Trump has disqualified himself for running for re-election or being president again because of he allowed the lockdowns to occur. I would offer to my friend Justin, who's a big fan of Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis had had highway patrols up. He went hard. He went hard in the lockdowns. Now I like DeSantis. He came out of the lockdown fever. He's going after just about going after pharma. His surgeon general is President Trump understands the lockdowns were a bad idea. But it was citizen journalists who brought that out. The major media should have been doing that, but they won't. And this is the this is the nexus between President Trump, the person, and Twitter as run by Elon Musk. Because Musk intends to promote citizen journalism, to allow it to flourish. In fact, to pay citizen journalists. So you have a consequence. CBS has decided to stop putting their content up on Twitter. Oh, whatever will we do? If we don't have CBS content, however will we form our world opinions? Another comparison. An MSNBC contributor talking about the investigation into President Trump and what, in his mind, uh, this should entail. This prosecutor will be almost exclusively focused on Donald Trump and other people at the top echelon. And Mayor Garland seemed to focus, to emphasize the fact that this isn't going to delay things significantly. We'll see whether that's true, but it's hard to think that somebody like Jack Smith would take this appointment if he were just going to decline the case. He doesn't know yet. He doesn't have all of the information in the investigation, but there's got to be something. Jack Smith's going to take the case. He knows this. Jack Smith is a partisan leftist. Jack Smith was there to help Lois Lerner try to get away with what Lois Lerner got away with. And yes, guess what? It worked. Lois Lerner retired rich and happy. She's the former IRS official who admitted she came out and apologized. I want to apologize. We may have um, accidentally mistreated some people and and accidentally shared some uh, data illegally with the DOJ. And I just want to get that out in front and just offer that up as an apology. It's been bothering my conscience. No, it's not. There's been a story brewing up. The story's going to come out. You're trying to get ahead of it. Comparison. The same organization that's pretending as Merrick Garland as, oh, this is this. We, we, we're, we're just we're I'm concerned about the presidency. They're the same ones that bringing in a Jack Smith to do this. To go after President Trump, they're the same ones who ignore in their own government illegal acts of censorship from the White House, from the CDC, from the FDA, through Twitter and Facebook, and Google, and YouTube. The interactions are the same. The touch points are the same. The one thing here that's happening with Twitter is it's gone off the reservation with Elon Musk. The one thing that alarmed Washington, D.C. about President Trump was he was off the reservation. He was saying things that are not to be said. Hey, why don't our generals win wars anymore? I had lunch uh, this past week with a vet, and he stays in touch. He knows what's going on in our military. And there's a great deal of embarrassment about the current generals. You go down to the colonel level and a little level below that, there's a great deal of concern about who they are, what they do, and what they don't do. President Trump called that out. On Twitter, we've been calling out the so-called public health authorities. 
And of course, there's a pretense that none of this, none of this is the least bit political. This is the current version of the spokes liar at the White House, an interchangeable person who I'm sure because she was created by God somewhere, she's got talents. It's not reading from a binder, pretending like she's speaking extemporaneously. But look, I will say this, and I've said this many times before, we do not politicize the Department of Justice. That is something that the president said uh, during the campaign. That is something that the president said the, in his early days of, of, of being uh, in the White House. And that continues to be true. He also said he drove an 18-wheeler. He said, he's a, he, he said he was a college professor. He says a lot of things. And still, the Department of Justice allowed people to stand outside the homes of Supreme Court justices and threaten them and try to intimidate them into changing their opinion on the abortion case, on the Roe case. So it's clearly politicized. And Merrick Garland has participated in calling people who go to speak at school board meetings domestic terrorists they've all participated in that and so they bring into this a guy named jack smith to go after trump and smith is a long time long time hack in politics even the house gop judiciary gop at least they're doing a little bit of their job at least they're kind of bringing out the facts around this guy and his work with lois Lerner, and they're to be congratulated on that and you can have emails, you see emails of him interacting, trying to defend the indefensible of what IRS agents did under Lois Lerner. And you go back to the comparisons. Who were the people leading the interactions with Twitter and Silicon Valley? You had FBI agents bragging about how important they were to shutting down the Hunter Biden story. There's going to be bureaucrats at the CDC and the FDA who are going to be saying, oh yeah, I shut down those ivermectin freaks and those people who don't believe in our beautiful injections. You have comparisons. Trump said about Pelosi what Pelosi is. She's a drunk and a tyrant and a, and a con artist. And her husband, Paul Pelosi, has, has, has conned, through insider trading, conned them into this multi-million dollar fortune. Trump called that out. Twitter is the place that we got to watch the piece from NBC that ran about Paul Pelosi opening the door. Now there's a second report that directly matches what the NBC reporter saw. The, the fact is, Paul Pelosi opened the door. Paul Pelosi didn't appear to be afraid of the guy. When the police were there, instead of saying, oh, thank goodness you're here, come and help me. He went back to the guy who then hit him in the head with a hammer. The NBC reporter has been suspended. Where they, will the other reporter get suspended? Who's run this story? Because now there's two of them. That's Twitter. Trump said about Nancy Pelosi what she was, who she was, how they made their money. The comparisons continue. You get to this. Where do we turn to find news about the globalists? It's not to NBC. It's not the CBS that's removed themselves from Twitter. Where did you first hear the phrase globalist from a big time politician? The first big time politician I heard to use that on the right side of the political spectrum was Donald John Trump. We're not to speak of the globalists. We're supposed to pretend that there's not an attempt to globalize government. 
or go to these events and all wear the same goofy looking, no, I don't want to say stupid shirts because I'm sure it's somehow culturally significant to the country they were in. Biden said it was Colombia. It wasn't. It was Cambodia. Um, When you look at shows like this and you look at comparisons like this and how we get to do things like this, there is a, a backing. Part of the backing comes from you guys, right? That's the biggest part of it. And God brought us together. So when I use the phrase podcast family, why? Why do I use that? Because in terms of supporting my family, this is how we do it. The cast. This is how we pay our bills. And the, the podcast has been blessed by the Lord. You guys have been a big part of that. So there is no chance that I would share with you something as serious as a weight loss protocol if I didn't know it worked, period. I couldn't bring myself to get behind a microphone and tell you about something as serious as dropping unwanted fat from your body if I didn't know it works. And here's to me the definition of working. The fat stays gone. That's it. That should be the goal. The goal should never be to go back and forth and lose fat and put it back on and yo-yo because, man, that is so unbelievably bad for your body and your mind. Then there's this, that they accurately predict how much unwanted fat you're going to drop if you stay to the plan. Now, obviously, there's going to be variances. Not everyone's going to do exactly 2.5 pounds if you're a woman or 3.5. Not every man is going to do exactly five pounds per week. It depends on your activity level. Frankly, depends on how long you've had that weight on your body. So I would never recommend a plan or a protocol that doesn't do these things. And then that they have a background in, I would say, patient care. Because I think health care, that phrase, I think that's been destroyed by the party. Patient care. Well, that's their background. And the signs of success from SodaWeightLoss at SodaWeightLoss.com are these. One store to seven in a very short time. One state to multi-states. And they didn't even have to locate outside of Texas. They had people driving from all over the many states that surround Texas. Now the national footprint. And they figured out how to do this. And you never need to go into a Soda Weight Loss clinic. It's SodaWeightLoss.com. They do everything from where they're at. You don't need to leave your house. And yes, the number one thing for me, does the fat stay off of people's bodies? It's SodaWeightLoss.com. The comparisons continue between Trump and Twitter under Elon Musk. It is Twitter to where we turn, or at least I turn, to get news about the globalists. And to hear them speaking, this is Klaus Schwab. And I'm beginning to agree in a way with Chris Bray, one of my favorite writers on Substack. Chris writes a Substack called Tell Me How It Ends. Chris says he has sometimes has trouble being afraid of these people because it can appear so goofy. This is a tremendously wealthy, very dangerous, in my judgment, sociopath, speaking words from... As if someone had come to him and said, hey, hey, Klaus, I'll make you a bet. Try to work all these words into a speech. In fact, into a quick bit of your speech. Try to work all these nonsense phrases. Of course, if you look at all the challenges, we can speak about the multi-crisis. 
economic, political, social, and ecological, and institutional crisis. But actually, what we have to confront is a deep, systemic, and structural restructuring of our world. And this will take some time. And the world will look differently after we have gone through this transition process. Politically, the driving forces for this political transformation, of course, is the transition into a multipolar world, which has a tendency to make our world much more fragmented. And for these reasons, events like this one, the G20, and so on, are the very important connectors to avoid a too great segmentation. A wide, too great, a wide, too great segmentation. Um, you are at an event when you're speaking there where there are 400 private jets and a bunch of you pretending to care about the climate, weather, catastrophe, warming, acid, rain stuff. None of you are affected by your policies. None of you were affected by the lockdowns in any way, shape, matter, idea, faction, or form. Most of you became more wealthy, and you want to talk about segmentation and avoiding it. You all have the same views. You all have the same belief that you're the ones to manage your lives. You all have the same goals, which is to control every aspect of our life. That was the event, and we'll talk about this later in the week. That was the event where they wanted to have the rebirth of the vaccine passport global this time. And this guy speaks about this. Let's get this installed now for the next pandemic. We don't have to lock everybody down. You never locked everybody down. You locked down the people that you intended to harm. You didn't lock down the people you didn't intend to harm. Donald Trump spoke about people like that when he used the phrase globalist. You can go to Twitter and under Elon Musk and to the defense of Twitter before this, you could find this stuff if you follow the right people who follow the right globalists. It's the same enemies of enemies are my enemy, are my friends, etc. It's the same dynamic. Trump, it's like Trump has now incorporated Twitter into him and Twitter into Trump. All because Elon Musk took over a company that had been in lockstep with blocking this stuff. It's the same thing. There's this. This is directly from Twitter that we find things like this. Now, the person who's writing about this is aghast. On Twitter, we get to see what people on the left look like when their minds are blown. President Trump blew minds on the left and frankly still blows them on the right. This is a woman named Joyce Aline. She's a law school, MSNBC, NBC News. She has a podcast called Sisters in Law. So she's probably a leftist. 975,000 followers. She writes, if you're not following the litigation from parties trying to block Biden's cancellation of student debt, then you may have missed the Texas judge who compared congressional authorization to Biden to do so because of the COVID emergency to the German law letting Hitler take power. 
Incidentally, she capitalized the word block. Now, everybody makes mistakes. Often when people capitalize the thing, it's because they consider it very important. Block. Um, there was no congressional authorization. That didn't happen. <laughs> the woman from MSNBC doesn't understand what the judge's point was. And the judge's point is very, very clear. You know, you could also make the argument that was the authority given to Hitler after the Reichstag fire. What is the court's role if Congress has given away too much authority that it's supposed to be deemed that makes that branch what it was under the Constitution? There has to be some sort of recourse, doesn't there? That's the judge pointing out that the power to use the stroke of an auto pen to erase debt and, well, not even to erase it, but to put it on the backs of other people is the same sort of unchecked power that was given to Hitler. He's not saying that student debt equals death camps. He's not saying that at all. He's saying that unchecked power is unchecked power and it can lead to ridiculously bad places. President Trump was a threat to unchecked power. Twitter is a threat to unchecked power. Twitter, if Elon Musk actually meant the free speech thing, would be an enormous threat to concentrated power, to bottlenecks. Justin Trudeau was at this same event with the globalists. Justin Trudeau says about AI and free speech. For example, Canada is leading on the responsible development and use of artificial intelligence. We're also undertaking major legislative reforms that will strengthen privacy protections for Canadians, including specific provisions to protect children. See, while always ensuring and defending free speech, we must make it clear that it cannot be okay to bully and attack people online. Governments, and especially big technology companies, need to safeguard people's data and privacy and address online harassment and violence to ensure trust in technology. That is a man who used technology to seize the bank accounts of people who had, quote, unacceptable views. That is a man who's using technology to make sure you can't travel in or out of Canada or around Canada unless you have the proper injection status on your phone. The AI he's mentioning is AI to spot hate speech and unacceptable views. That's the same AI that Twitter was using to block conservatives. Hey, this Christmas, uh, picture this for friends of yours who are pro-life activists or friends and family who gave birth in, you know, I guess the mother gave birth, but who allowed a child to be born into their home who is going to have what are called birth defects, be that autism or Down syndrome. Picture Christmas that honors their decision to recognize that all human life matters to the Lord and doing that through Alan Soaps. It's not a poster. It's, it's, it's not a book. It's a product made by a family who chose to have their son, Alan, work to never be 
I don't want to say burden because he couldn't be. They could never think that way. But never used as the uh, by the party as poor little Alan. They wouldn't allow it. So Alan works. He's 12 years old. He works every day at his soap company. And he does the menial jobs. Quality control, packing soaps, putting pictures of himself in there. Packing notes that his dad writes. And he does the creative work. Alan, what are some of your favorite memories of grandma? Her keepsake trunk. Now, Alan can't speak in sentences, but he has a laptop, or pardon me, a, 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 a tablet that helps him speak. What else do you remember about grandma? I remember she cooked breakfast. Jasmine, Cedarwood Jasmine, born. So it's memories like that that are contained in these soaps. Okay, but are they going to harm my skin? I mean... He's a kid with a lot of autism. No. Three generations of soap-making expertise goes into these soaps. Made in the United States in small batch, completely unique fragrances. And at allensoaps.com slash Todd, there's more. Some of the softest washcloths you'll ever feel. I don't know how they do that. And drying racks. Here's the point. For friends of yours who have made a life out of honoring life, Give them a product that they can try, and if they love, they can go to allensoaps.com slash Todd and subscribe to the Herminator sub and get big discounts. Use my name there, by the way, Todd. Use my name at allensoaps.com slash Todd. You'll get 10% off just about everything there. It's allensoaps.com slash Todd. And Allen is A-L-A-N-S. I don't know that I've met an Allen, A-L-L-E-N. Maybe I have. allensoaps.com slash Todd, A-L-A-N soaps.com slash Todd. So that's, that's Justin Trudeau. And yeah, I could reach back and, and grab the clip where Klaus Schwab brags about his starting the career and growing the career of, of the career of Justin Trudeau, but that's self-evident. We get to this. We get to speaking of Klaus Schwab, speaking of vaccine passports, so-called vaccine passports, health passes. We get to this. On the topic of health passes, later this week, I'm going to read to you from a paper I cannot believe exists. That phrase, health pass, that's not new. That's not new at all. And it's kind of like this Texas judge warning about things. Bill Gates is also concerned about the direction of Twitter under Elon Musk. Bill Gates was concerned about President Trump's direction on everything. This is Bill Gates, and he wants sort of a, an amnesty. Now, this man is going to speak words, and anyone who listened to my former radio show or this podcast, anyone who listened to my COVID coverage is going to ask yourself a question. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Bill. Who's we? It wasn't until early February when I was in a meeting that experts at the foundation said, there's no way, you know, this, there's been too much uh, travel without diagnosis uh, for us to contain this. And then at that point, we didn't really understand the fatality rate. You know, we didn't understand that it's a fairly low fatality rate and that it's a disease mainly of the elderly kind of 
like fluids, although a bit different than that. So that was a pretty scary period right. uh, where the world didn't go on alert, including the United States, nearly as fast as it needs. It wouldn't have mattered. And folks, remember on my radio show, I said once this gets into 20 people in a densely packed urban area, it's done. Contact tracing does nothing but practice the act of contact tracing and normalize the government having an app on your phone to do proximity scanning. And they were doing all the proximity scanning. They were doing, they they were spying on us through device proximity and device IDs. That's now known. We've reported on that. So who exactly was the we that didn't know about the fatality rates or better yet, the survival rates? We knew. How is it that we knew once this got into a a densely packed urban environment with 20 people, the game was over? Because we consulted medical, I should say, actual healthcare work prior to your installed pandemic. Prior to the installed hysteria that you orchestrated with Twitter, with Facebook, with YouTube, you orchestrated that. If President Trump had stuck to his instincts and said, no, we're not locking down. Absolutely not. If he had stuck to his instincts and said, This is a flu and it's going to go away. We'd be living in a much different world and the 2020 election would have been much, much harder for them to rig. The DOJ, remember them, the ones that is not politicized? They're still arguing that you should not be allowed to see anything that happens in the depositions of Fauci and Jen Psaki and Debbie Burks. Because you shouldn't be allowed to see that because you might make threats against them and take it back to Trump in the comparison to Trump. Threats? We watched cities burned and attacked. We watched cops murdered. We watched two Trump supporters killed in broad daylight. Threats? Side-by-side comparison. That pales. There are people who are schooled by the party to say things that I'm not even sure that they really understand the depth of what they're saying. And I don't mean to spend my time on Charles Barkley. This is the second week in the row. I've had something to say about Barkley because I think Barkley represents some people and definitely persuades some people to his point of view, given what he did in the NBA. And he gets to go on the TV with the Donnie Lemon. This is Charles Barkley explaining his views on he's pro-free speech, but... You know, everyone is speaking out about it. Kyrie Irving is facing, you know, what he's facing. Um, but the league let him go for a long time. They, they sort of are forcing him to apologize. But what if these are his real beliefs? Should they be dealing with that as well? Maybe they have someone who actually believes these things. I'm not saying it's right. Instead of forcing him to apologize, maybe they should be dealing with that, that part of it. I said, that's a great question, uh, Don. People have the right to feel and say what they want to. We have freedom of speech, but there are repercussions when you say certain things. Uh, Listen, I don't know Kyrie Irving. I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. I think he's been suspended. 
rightfully so, and I think he should come back and play in the NBA. But, you know, that's a really slippery slope because, you know, people always talk about freedom of speech, freedom of, 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 of you say whatever you want to, but there are repercussions. I mean, and he, he's paying for that right now, but this thing with free speech has really gotten out of hand, Don. I mean, you just can't go around insulting people and think it's okay just because it's freedom of speech. Well, people say, well, listen, if I don't get to say what I say, it's cancel culture. And I don't know if you you probably do not agree with that. All right. So Don Lemon and Chuck Barkley, Charles Barkley. OK, here's what I know. Uh, Kyrie Irving got in trouble this time because he links he, he posted a link to a film that, quote, this is from CNN. Contains anti-Semitic messages. Uh, what were they? What made them anti-Semitic? Wouldn't it be a good idea to put them in there? Wouldn't you like to show what, what you mean by that? See, this is what else has happened to journalists who want Twitter and Trump destroyed. They say things like anti-Semitic, and I look up at the left-hand corner and say, oh, CNN, I have no idea if that's true or not. Uh, sometimes when anti-Semitism is advantageous to them, they talk about that, but, but on the other hand, they call belief in traditional marriage anti-gay. They talk about belief in biology as being so-called transphobic. They talk about criticism of critical race theory being anti-black. President Trump called these things out. These things get called out on Twitter. You can watch the debates unfold on Twitter. You can watch the debates unfold around the things Trump said. It's fascinating to watch these two things morph into one thing. Now, Don Lemon is one of the guys who pretends... And it is pretending that critical race theory doesn't inform how race is taught in the government schools. He's a guy who pretends that it's just conservative fear mongering about the schools and about what's going on in the schools. Charles Barkley says, you don't get to just go up and insult a stranger. You don't get to just walk up and, and insult someone and expect there not to be consequences just because you believe in free speech. Well, actually, you do get to do that. However, there are laws about speech. There are speech laws. You don't get to sit down with other kids, with other parents' kids, and talk about sex. You don't get to do that and talk about sex in, in specific ways. If you do that, you're exposing a minor to pornography, if you're showing pictures, you can be arrested for that. That speech has consequences. Why? Because adults are more advanced than kids. Because adults' minds work in ways different than kids. If they're little kids, in stronger ways. Because kids naturally view adults as authority figures. And they're naturally inclined to do what adults say. That's why grooming is so seditious. And so dangerous. So the same people who would say, oh, we need to ban from the platform of Twitter where you can block. I'm in the process of blocking a very sick, very frustrated, no doubt little man who wants to attack Stacy, the, the woman who came onto our program to talk about what the hospital did to her kid. 
This guy's in here on our Substack posting, pretending to be Stacy's deceased husband. All I'm doing is blocking him. No, that's not true. I've challenged him to come on and debate me because of course he's a sock puppet. Of course he's a liar. He probably works for pharma or is paid by pharma to be a sock puppet. That's why I invited him. Hey, let's turn on the video. I'll send you a Google link. Let's turn on the video. You and I can record for the podcast. You can come on and make your brilliant point. And when he wouldn't do that, I blocked him. I can block people from Twitter. I can mute people from Twitter. You can do the same thing. You can block people from Facebook. If President Trump is bought back to Twitter, people can block him. Although the president said he won't come back because he has true social. Kids can't block their teachers. And on this, the party is united. Find me the Republican messaging about this. Find me Kevin McCarthy's messaging about this. I know, I know, parents' bill of rights, blah, 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 thing they never really mean. Mitch McConnell won't touch it. The Democrats promote it and support it. The World Health Organization is in favor of it. The mainstream media, the Mockingbird media, pretends it doesn't exist and doesn't happen, but here it is happening. And I don't play these very often. I don't do this to be, to be shocking. I do this to inform. This is a mother in Dearborn, Michigan. She does what we started encouraging parents to do back in the days when I was filling in for Rush. God, let, God rest the Maha. And I know because I heard from a lot of people, we heard it on Rush's show, so we did it. She goes in and does what I beg parents to do. Read the curriculum into the record. And guys, this is rough to listen to. So, we can stop the discussion about what is and what isn't. I mean, this is the law. I don't care what ACLU says. I don't know if they've read these books. We know our rights as parents, and we know that right now our rights are being infringed upon. So, I'm going to read from, from this book. I didn't want to. I have not had to do that up to this point. But considering that someone said that this book should go back on the shelf, and by the way, I'll pay the library fine. I'm not returning this book. So you can reorder it, whatever you're going to do. Hey, Elias, where'd you go? I'm in here with Mark and Bobby. Hey, guys, what you doing? Taking care of business. Have a seat. Huh? Why is it so dark in here? Can I come in now? No, you're too young. No, I'm not. Fine, but you'll have to prove it. I will. Uh-oh, I think I figured out what taking care of business means. We're each busting a into this bottle. If you don't you have to drink it. Ha, ha, ha. Give me that. I'll show you. I learned about masturbation two years ago, kind of by accident. No one ever told me what it was. One day when everyone was out of the house, I came across a videotape hidden behind the TV. And thus it continues with the worst part perhaps over. The same people who wanted commentary about the COVID flu blocked, but propaganda supported are the same people who hate Trump and now hate Twitter. The same entities that say that doesn't happen are the same entities who say, well, free speech has to have consequences. That mother wants consequences for that school district allowing adults to put that in front of kids. Well, that's what we have. A comparison. 
As President Trump loads up in this race for president, they're going to do everything possible to block him because his mere presence is a threat to their power base. That's why so-called journalists are doing everything they can to take Twitter. And, of course, what if there was just this? What if journalists sought to serve and not be served? Wow. What if people who live in the heart, the dark heart that is Washington, D.C., What if the scales were peeled from their eyes and they actually saw? Wow. What if we're the ones who are to make that happen? What if I've taken the entire wrong track on this show? What if I should then instead be praying for the people who cannot see? This is the most striking realization I've had on faith in a long time. Nancy Pelosi is a captive, and my job is to free her. I don't think there's been more evil done through a person in Congress than Nancy Pelosi. Not in my lifetime. I don't know that there's been more evil done in history than through Tony Fauci. And yet, he's a captive. And I'm to try to free him. How much effort did I put into that? None. What about you? Because the Lord could come to us and say, hey, you fed my sheep. Did you free the captives? Now, they have to agree to be freed. But I'm going to try to make a change in my behavior. This is the one-year anniversary of this cast. And next hour, I'm going to talk in some detail about that. I'm going to make a change in my behavior. I'm going to make every effort when I talk about people like Pelosi or Charles Barkley or Fauci. Barkley's just useful, but Fauci is doing evil. I'm going to use a phrase. Evil done through them. Evil done through them. Why? Because our enemies are not flesh and blood. They're spirits and principalities. Furthermore, I don't want to give Fauci the credit. Yeah, he is a scheming, evil-doing brute. And this is done through him because he's also a vessel for evil because he's been captured. Maybe that should have been the point of the show. All of the people who want speech attacked, travel limited, to own our every step, they're all, all of them, hostages. I'm going to try to do a better job on that in year two of the podcast is speaking the language of someone who actually believes our enemies are not flesh and blood. This is the Todd Herman Show. Thank you so much for a year of podcasting and for being so loyal that we're able to get to the level we are now. Thank you, Lord, for making it happen and for bringing us together. Now, please go be well, be strong, be kind, 
And let's be extra grateful this week.